If you'd like to open your Bibles at Matthew 25, Matthew 25. My title this morning is Don't Waste Your Life. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that your desire as we open this word is to to conform us to the image of Jesus. Lord, I want to pray today that we won't endure a sermon, but we will enjoy the word of God and it will do us good and, and it will change us and it will cause us to live lives that glorify you. Cause us to be a praise to you in the earth. Lord, cause us to be a blessing to those around us because we're lining our lives up with your word and your truth and your love for us. And so we pray and we give you permission right now to speak into our lives. Holy Spirit, we need you now to make this, make this time as we look at the word of God, make it alive to us and cause us to consider how we need to adjust our lives so that we might bring ultimate impact to you of glory. Lord, we love what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we wouldn't be anywhere else but in your kingdom and being your children. But Lord, we pray that you continue to conform us to that which glorifies you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell me you're breathing. Are you breathing? Okay, this, you're very quiet today. So, uh, I'm going to read from verse 16 onwards. And I'm reading from the NIV, in case you've got a different translation. I put the glass, these glasses on, and much better. Here we go. You're welcome. Verse 14, actually. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, And to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. And the man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received five five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you'd not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest 
where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from here and give it to the one who has ten bags, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just want to point out, first of all, that Jesus is telling parables about what it will be like when our master returns. When he comes back, he's speaking about the return of Jesus when he comes again. And there are parables in chapters 24 and 25, some which anticipate the return of Jesus and being ready for that particular thing to happen. In other words, like it speaks about the the, the wise and foolish virgins and the lamps, etc. And there's some about when he returns, what he's going to do. And the one we're looking at here is what we should be doing while we await Jesus' coming. And how we should appropriate all that he has put within us to be put to work so that when he returns, he will see his work and his glory made bigger. And that, so that's what we're looking at here. And so I just want to say to you, take a breath. I am not going to be speaking about money, right? As soon as you get to this passage, oh, he's going to talk about tithing. Okay? I'm not going to talk about tithing, okay? May do that one day, all right? So we will get back to that. But how can we make the most of what God has given to us? How can we not waste what has been entrusted to us? And so we read this, this parable. It's called the parable of the talents. And a talent was, I think it was something like uh, six years' wages. Would it be more than that, Andy, Andrew? Would it be more than that? I think it, it's, a, it's a large amount of money, a talent. It's, a, it's about six years' wages ago. And um, this parable of Scripture became alive to me a few years ago. When I, uh, one of the things I've done in the time, the last 20-odd years, is I pastored a school. And we've doubled the size of the, size of the school. We've uh, doubled the, you know, it's, a, it's the largest it's ever been, this school. It's doing great. Uh, my daughter has taken my job, and she's now the pastor of the school, which is quite exciting for me. I left on the Sunday, and they called my daughter on the Monday and said, we'd like to employ you, which I thought was fun. And she's running all sorts of alphas and everything, and there are kids coming to Christ. So I'm really excited about it. She's doing a much better job than me. But it it came alive because we were extending our building, and we ran a capital campaign, and we were looking for, I think, $3.6 million to build this extension. And I wanted the kids to be involved, but I was thinking, I don't really want to ask the kids for money. I've already asked their parents. So how can I get the kids involved? And I couldn't quite think of a way I could do this. And then it came to me, why not give the kids money instead? So what we did, myself and a lady called Nene, we decided rather than ask the kids to go and make money, we would give them all $10 in an envelope with the words, put it to work. Put it to work. And so I went to the parents' evening and I said to the parents, look, I know you're Oakville parents and you've got lots of money. If the kids put this to work and they lose it, 
I'd rather they lost it than you bail them out. At least they learned something in that. Please don't bail them out. Let, it, let them be part of the work that we are doing and see if they can make it uh, grow, make the money grow. And so I encourage the kids to see and think how they could put it to work, like the two good servants that we read in here. And I took a chapel, really looking through this, trying to give them some ideas of don't waste it, because it was my money. <laughs> but um, my, my greatest internal fear was that they would waste it. The parents, they, they had even less faith than me, as I had parents saying to me, you're going to give my seven-year-old $10 and expect them to do something with it. I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to go straight down the shops. And I said, no. I felt they were with me in it. And so what happened? Well, first of all, a couple of kids put their money together, went to a sign maker, bought a sign, and they were musicians, and they went to all the Starbucks in Oakville and played music, and people gave them money. Was it so they would leave? Or was it so they would stay? I don't know. <laughs> but they made a good amount of money. Another girl, she got her friends at school, and uh, they put their money together, bought a load of spa stuff, and they had a Saturday morning spa for lots of ladies from the school. Their name was Getty. Their surname was Getty, so they called it Spa Getty, which I thought was really good. And they had this amazing spa day, and they raised money. Um, some teams of boys bought bags and rakes and cleared leaves in the local area for money. Some got together and bought ingredients to make cakes. Uh, I, have a, I have a theory about cakes when kids make them. I don't buy them, all right? Or if I do buy them, I give them the money. I don't eat them. I don't like cakes with fingerprints in them, all right? It's just my thing, okay? Some, some did a raffle. They raffled some things off, okay? Don't judge. That's what they did. Some bought sausages and pancake mixture and held a breakfast, a, a, a big breakfast brunch, for, a, a brunch for all the dads who all turned up and had a great time. Dads love breakfast, all right? Dads love food, as we heard earlier. And, and when we opened the building, we, I was able to say to the kids that they turned a 2,500 talent into a $13,500 gift. And so we were able to say, hey, see the basketball nets we've got in our gymnatorium? Consider you bought those. You see the scoreboard? You bought that. You see this other? You bought that. Listen, guys, you were part of this. And when you leave this school in the future, you'll be able to look back and say, I was part of building that. And then we dropped, I think it was 500 balloons on them or something like that, just then had a party. It was great. It was good fun. But I must confess that giving that money away to them I looked into this passage a little bit more closely, thinking, how can I encourage them not to waste it? How can I encourage them to put what I have entrusted to them to work? And these points, I think, really, really helped me. And I think there's four key points to making sure from this that we live fruitful lives awaiting the coming of King Jesus in the future. Four things that we need Four priorities. And the first one is this. Don't waste your life believing that it's your life. Don't waste your life believing that it's your life. In the parable, the master obviously represents God. 
And the, 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 he gives to each of his servants, uh, that's in verse 14. He entrusted to them, it says in verse 14, his property. He entrusted to them, his servants, his property. They're servants, they belong to him. Actually, to be honest with you, slaves is the correct word. All right? I haven't got time to get into it today, but they, they were bond servants, they could, they, which is more like a servant who willingly wants to work for a good master. And I think these two thoughts can really help us because we belong to him too. And also we have been created by God. And all that we have from God has been entrusted to us. God owns us and everything that has been given to us by him. You know, I I think sometimes we can think that as Christians, we can think, oh, it's all God's. It's all God's, all right? I, I often think that way. We have a trailer up in Muskoka, and, and, and I'll say, it's all God's. It's all been given to us by God. It's all God's. Until some people go to stay in the trailer, and they leave all the furniture outside, and it gets all wet and mouldy. And then I'm, I'm Mr. Grumpy. And, then, and I have to be reminded, okay, I won't tell you who, but the other half of my marriage, all right? They have to remind me that actually it's all God's, Chris. You've forgotten that already. It's all God's. It can be replaced. Stop worrying about it. Let's, get, let's use the things that God's given to us for his glory. But I think there's times we can forget that. Acts 17.25 says this, that God himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything else. It's all been entrusted to us. It's all been given to us by God. Who owns us? How about every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights? Everything that's been given to us, it's been entrusted to us. Every, everything we have is a gift from God. To think otherwise, I think, will cause us to waste our lives and our resources. So I like it. I like it that I can give people a key and say, go and stay in our trailer because you need a break, you need to get away. I like that. But it's a challenge to my heart sometimes because if, you know, I went there one time and I was like, where's the table? (laughs) Oh, our kids were jumping on the table and broke it, so we just put it under the trailer. Okay, so I'm fixing the, I'm fixing the, but sometimes it's hard to do that with the right sort of heart, I've got to tell you, because you're never going to have anybody stay here again. No, no, I'm not, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I want to glorify God with everything that God has given to me. It's a bit like having the gift of hospitality. What a great way to use your home to give glory to God and to gather the people of God. Such a wonderful gift. It's the one of the most important gifts that you can possibly have. And, and I would go even further. It's not just that God has entrusted us stuff, right? So... You know, car, house, job, money, skills, friends, gifts, cottage, boat. Boat sounds good. (laughs) Haven't got a boat. And even more than that, you yourself, you yourself, God's word tells us you have been purchased by Christ's work on the cross from a life of sin to be his too. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, You are not your own, you were bought with a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body. We are not our own. We are God's people. We are God's possession. 
We are God's children. We're his. And if we don't get that, that he's made us, he's our creator, he's our redeemer, he's our master, we're going to waste our lives on something less than living in the glory of God and for the glory of God. Because God has blessed us with so much. Can I at least get an amen on that one? Okay, just checking your breathing. Every part of our lives are now to be lived for God and for his glory. And I think the danger is sometimes we we think of, there's the things I do that are godly things in the week, and there's the things I do which are normal things in the week. You know, we, I, when I was a kid, I used to walk along the pavement, and my mum used to smack me around the back of the head when I did it. I used to put one leg in the road and one leg in the, on the pavement, and I'd be up and down like this, down the road. And my mum used to just whack me one. Don't do that. You could get hit by a car. Da, da, da. But, you know, I think Christians live like that. We live one foot in the world and one foot in our Christian life. I go to home group. I go to work. I go to see a soccer match. And we separate. But listen, God's word tells us this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You know, today you could go and watch TFC in Toronto. You know TFC are? You do? Okay, big clap over there. You could go and see Toronto FC playing soccer for the glory of God. You can, because we are living in the joy and relationship with God. Maybe those who go with us will enter into our lives and we'll connect up with them because the, someone's got to reach soccer fans, haven't they? Oh, okay, maybe that's a bit of a stretch for you. But to me, you know, the thing is, we, we can live with this one in No, it's all, all of our lives. And if we don't see that all of our lives, you can glorify God at work. You can glorify God on holiday. You can glorify God in everything. It, it says... It doesn't just say, uh, so whether you eat or drink, it says whatsoever you do. What, what is not inside the category of whatsoever you do? Everything's in it. I love this quote. I don't know if I can read it. Uh, my reading glasses are so small. Oh. I read two at once. I love this quote from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It says, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, He should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted. Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that the host of heaven and earth pause and say, there lives a great sweeper who did his job well. Everything we do, we can do it for the glory of God. So let's not live our lives thinking they're our lives. Even our lives, every breath God gives to us. Therefore, we want to live our lives to glorify God in everything. Let's not live our lives as though they're our lives, but recognize it's all God's work. And he has entrusted us with gifts and talents, abilities and stuff. And it's his. And he'll want to know one day, what did you do with what I entrusted you? What did you do with it? Will he, will he be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Just want, just want to touch on something today. Obviously, Andrew lost his mum in this past week. 
And Andrew's told me stories along the way. Not just, it's not like, oh, he just told me these stories. But he's told me stories along the way of the fruitfulness of his mum. How she'd written Sunday school programs. How she'd done this. And even sharing with me how people she's led to Christ quite recently. This was a woman who's going to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I entrusted you with this. And this is what you brought about for it. I think it's, I think, what a, that's not a waste of a life. That's using our lives for the glory of God. That's a life to be celebrated. It really is. Secondly, not just don't, don't waste your life thinking it's your life, but don't waste your life not knowing why you exist. In the passage, we see that the servants were very clear about their assignment. It was to be taking hold of what the master entrusted to them and and put it to work, to be faithful and live lives so as to, listen, this is an important phrase, to live their lives so as to advance the master's priorities. It wasn't. It, it didn't give them money and say, "This is your money." No, he entrusted something to them, to to advance his priorities. Are we living our lives to advance our priorities or the master's priorities? If we if we're not, if we don't get this one right. We're going to waste our lives. To be faithful. I think one of the things in the Christian life, we, you know, I go sometimes to churches and you know, there's lots of people. There's many, many people. And everybody wants to be someone else. Oh, I'd love to be that guy out there playing the guitar. I'd love to be that person over there doing this. I'd love to be. Listen, it, it makes it very clear that when God entrusts something to us, he entrusts us what we can handle and what is right for us. I don't have to compare what I am to what Dan does. Oh, you know, wish I could, wish I could play the guitar like Dan. I can play the guitar. Ish. <laughs> but I do, I do, I play in worship. I've played in worship for a long time. But the issue is, it's not like I have to compare. Listen, God has given me and entrusted me with things within my ability. And some things not within my ability. So I, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up with a dad. I was very wayward and everything. But I've become a dad to many people. I give glory to God for that all the time. I'm glad my kids, my six kids are all good. They're doing great. I'm glad that there's other, these other girls who have, uh, they're, they're, I have to phrase this in the right way. <laughs> the other girls in the church who've said to me, Chris, don't let me marry the wrong person. I, I've been able to be a dad to them. So they bring their boyfriend around, and there have been at least 10 or 12 where the girls have brought somebody around, and I said, don't marry this guy. Don't marry him. He's not got a job. He's lazy. He's going to live off of you. This is not right. And I'll tell the guy, you're lazy. Go get a job, and you come back and win him. And some of them have, and most of them haven't. But I've been a dad to them. How do I get that? It's been gifted to me by God. It's been entrusted. Matter of fact, if I get through my life being a good dad and holding my marriage together, I've made massive history in my family. Because there's three generations before me that haven't. So I give glory to God for that. I see that as God's work. 
See, all is God's work. If you'd known me when I was a 19-year-old, you'd say, yep, that's God's work. <laughs> but we're to be faithful and live our lives to advance the master's priorities. The purpose of what we do with our lives is to bring a sense to those around us, they serve a good master. They serve a good master. They have a really good master. They have the, the person overseeing their lives has brought blessing to them. You know, I'll give an example of that uh, just quickly off the top of my head. Daniel, when Daniel came out of the lion's den, um, a whole load of pagan people, all right, were saying what? They were saying, Daniel's God is the living God. He rescues and he saves and he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and here on earth. Who got the glory out of Daniel being in the lion's den? God. Okay, never been in a lion's den, never intended to be. I'm just saying, well, why, why didn't God call, call me to go in the lion's den and shut the mouth? Because you'd be eaten, Chris, <laughs> if you haven't got enough faith, all right? I'm just saying, but his, we've each been appointed, rough from God, to advance the master's glory. So where, whatever it is, eating a drink, you know, it could be, you know, you may be good at, I'll give an example. We went to, we were in England recently, and I said to Rachel, well, oh, let's just relax and have a holiday, and da, da, da. And then the next day, Rachel said to me, met this young guy, and he's, doing his uh, dissertation for university and he's struggling with his English and so I've invited him around. And so a part of our holiday, my wife decides to go back being a teacher, which is we just left that. But she knows she's going to help this guy. And he was so thrilled with it. And we were able to spend some time praying with him and telling him how we're praying for him to, to do well in that and hearing how he's doing. It's important. Everything that's been entrusted to us, we use it for the glory of God. My wife, my wife uh, what, what sort of gifts would I look at at my wife and say, my wife is, is one of the best shoppers in the world, all right? She has the gift of being able to have not much money and provide for masses of people. She just does, and she's done it for years. So she'd be at church, and there'd be a whole group of ladies together, and she'd say, go to this particular place. Butter is really cheap there at the moment. And, and they, I'm thinking, what sort of conversation is this? I'll tell you what it is. It's someone using their gift to help others and to glorify God in the gift they've been given. I was talking to a non-Christian friend of mine about giving. And when he heard that we tithed our money, we gave 10% of our money since 1978, okay, he, he decided, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to add it all up and tell Chris what number that would be. All right? And he would say to me, what? Well, do you realize, you realize what you could have done with that money? That's what he said to me. Do you, realize, you could have done some amazing things with that money. I could have had a boat. Let me just write that down. <laughs> but but, the, but the, question, the question is, where was my heart's priority? To advance my cause or to advance the master's priorities? See, where, where our heart is, you know, that's where our priorities are. And I feel incredibly blessed. And as a matter of fact, I don't think you can outgive God. If you give to God, I believe God can bless you. Not always just through money coming back, but through other people blessing you in your life. To live with a mindset that says, Lord, I'm thinking of what's going to benefit you. 
and your kingdom and your glory and your fame to heighten the, va- the, the value of the master. You know, we don't, it, there's a phrase we use in the Bible, a word we use in the Bible, which is um, um, magnify. You know, we talk about magnifying God. You can't make God bigger. But what, is it, what does it mean? It just means, it means to, to proclaim the bigness of his fame and who he is. It's magnifying God. And as we live out with our priorities, lined up with God's, we can bring praise to him to glorify him, the master, for every aspect of his provision. God's word tells us from, from him and through him and for him are all things. It's all for God's glory. So don't live your life not knowing your purpose. All right? It's important to know that. When Jesus called the disciples, he didn't just call them to be with him. Hey, come and be with me. That's part of the Christian life. Come and be with me. But actually he called them on the beach. He called them, come and I'll make something of your life. He called them into purpose. And so we are called to relationship with God, but we're also called to purpose as well. And in those purposes, we're to glorify God, wherever they are. I mean, I find it really hard to think how anybody could glorify God with a computer, okay? I know one thing about computers. If you switch them off and switch them on again, they're perfect always. <laughs> Never, I don't use them, but I'm just saying, okay, I'll move on. Third, don't waste your life by having a wrong view of the master. Don't waste your life by having a wrong view of the master. Let me read you from uh, verse 24, 28. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, weeping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Let me ask you a question. When you look at that particular passage of Scripture, Do you see a hard man or do you see a generous boss? Because I see a generous boss. I see someone who entrusts to his his servants, goes away on a journey, leaving them with that, and then when he comes back, he commends them, he speaks highly of them, and he said, well done. He says, well done to them. You've been faithful over a little. You've been loyal. You've been steadfast in serving the purposes of your master. He honours their faithfulness and servanthood. Not, not their charisma, you know, or even how much they produced. But we need to know what our purpose is. Our purpose is to glorify God with what God has entrusted us with, whether little or a lot. When the third servant meets with the master... He has his reasoning for why he hid his money in the ground. But when we look at it in the light of the other two servants, we realize he has an opinion, but it's a wrong opinion. That is not the character of his master. He's not a hard man. He's a good boss. He's the sort of boss you want to work for. And when he says to him, enter into my joy at the end. Not just, hey, have a couple of bars of gold out the bag. Go on, go on. No, he says, enter into my joy. Become part of what I am building here. Become part of my joy in how, you know, the blessing is coming. His views about the master, or or should I say, 
his wrong views about the master shaped how he lived his life. And it's the same true for us. If we have the wrong view of who God is, we're going to waste our lives on the relationship that God wants to give to us. We're going to miss it. We are not going to serve him joyfully and who he truly is if we, we think he's stingy and he's some old grumpy old man who just wants to trip us up and some other bad theology we picked up when we were kids. I did. My whole theology of, of Christian life growing up was this. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. Let me just tell you, that is not the Christian life. It's this. If you're bad, you trust in Jesus. And it's all put right. And the slate is made clean. And you are God's people. It's got nothing on us. It's all on God because of his grace. You're not going to serve him joyfully or or wholeheartedly if you think he's a hard taskmaster. Or if you you think of him in that way, you're going to serve him slavishly. Or give give, give to him your money grudgingly or stingily. No, we want to be those who glorify God. Rather have a true understanding of the God of grace who has provided us for all that we need for life and godliness. He's entrusted it to us to use for his glory. We need to get a true picture from God's word of who God is and see that he is the one who doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. But his love is great towards us. We need the true picture of the God of grace and love so that we can live in light of his goodness and his life. That's our master. That's our master. That's a master worth following. If we have a false view of our master, we're going to waste our lives. But a true vision and picture of the master will cause us to use our lives for the glory of God, realizing that we have been amazingly loved by God. You know, those scriptures sometimes where it says, you know, having given his son, will I not give all things to you? You know, it gives you the measure of the sort of love that God has towards us. He loves us. Make sure you have a true picture of the master. Don't base your life on man-made religion. Oh, he's in everything. He's in the trees and the flowers. And yeah, he made the trees and the flowers. But what? To point to him. Oh, it's all about rules and regulations. No, it's about the coming of a saviour, a relationship with a God, and sins forgiven. And we've got to make sure that we've got the right picture. Otherwise, we're going to use our lives in the wrong way. Forgiveness and relationship and new life are ours through our Father, through Jesus Christ. And uh, we have been adopted, as you were hearing. I think, was that last week you were talking about adoption? No, it wasn't adoption last week. And the servant says, I was afraid. I was afraid, so I went and hid it in the ground. Listen, a true right view of God may cause you to have fear, but a fear that causes you to draw near to God for his help. Not a fear that draws away. And his wrong view of the master caused him to have fear that made him draw away and hide it in the ground. No. God wants us to recognize it's all his and it's for his glory. 
and that we need to have the right view of the master. Fourthly, don't waste your life on a wrong definition of success. In the parable, the ones who were commended and praised were the ones that doubled their resources, okay? And it had been entrusted to them. One had five, turned it to ten. One had two, um, had turned it to four. And as we read through the story, we've got to be careful not to think, ah, it's about doubling it up. It's about having more. Listen, that's a worldly view of this passage. Okay? Double what you've got. Got money? Make more money. You know, got a car? Get a bigger one. Then a boat. All right, throw that in. We've been there. (laughs) Nothing wrong with boats or cars. But let's use them for the glory of God. Whatever we've got, use it for the glory. Remember, the values of the kingdom turn the world's values upside down. So that we don't gather to ourselves, but we gather so we can glorify God and be a resource to others. Success for using your life for God is not measured in numbers. Okay? It's not about meeting the world's definition of success. Okay? You can be successful in obeying and serving God, and the world may never see it. I'll say that again. You can be successful in obeying and serving God with all of your life, and the world may never see it. Because the world despises faithfulness. But when you show faithfulness, you show the character of God. I love faithfulness. I think it's an absolutely wonderful thing. What the servants who put their resources to work... They represent the disciples who take what God has given to them and put it to work. And the results are in God's hands. The results may or not be impressive. What is important is that they're being faithful. And uh, I, I was in England and I was speaking at a couple of Alpha events. I had prayed before going to England that I would lead 10 people to Jesus. Okay, that was my, was my focus. Didn't set it too high, not Billy Graham, but I thought, I'm just going to pray for that. So anyway, I went, I went to a few places in England, and then I, I spoke at a, an event, an Alpha event, and a couple came forward who lead a church in the north of England, and uh, they came forward, and I said, oh, it's nice to meet you. And I thought we were going to talk about Alpha, and they said, we listened to what you said this morning, and clearly the gospel you believe in is not the one we believe in. And so they began to tell me about their lives and said, we would really like to get right with Jesus. So I said, yeah. And they said, we lead a church of 200 people. And, uh, and we are a Methodist church. And he said, it's very much like a social club, our church. And he said, but we feel probably we need some of this stuff you were teaching on this morning. Like more about Jesus. I said, sounds good. So, so they said, what should we do? I said, well, first of all, give your life to Jesus Christ. If you've heard the gospel, respond to the gospel. So it led them to Christ. Then I took them through an alpha from home online during the pandemic. And then they began to take their church. Now, let me tell you, on my tour, I arrived home and Rachel asked me, what was it like? I said, it was good. I only led three people to Jesus. I was a little bit disappointed. It didn't go quite as I expected. Since that time, we've had the whole church in their church, which was at the same time as I went there. They've gone through the alpha course. And I think they have 116 people who've given their lives to Christ. Okay? 
What I was doing is I was thinking it in worldly terms, what I want to see, and God had another plan, and God's plan was much better than mine. I say, listen, I say that to you humbly. I really do. I say that to you humbly. Listen, God's much bigger than my plan. God's ways, it says in Scripture, are much higher than ours. Best do his ones, because his ways are much higher than ours. So the master doesn't say, well done, you doubled the investment. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little. The master rewards them and commends them not for their fruitfulness, but for their faithfulness. What's important here is, are we taking what God has given to us, not measuring it against others? The master gave it, each according to his ability. We just have to take what God has given uniquely to us and put it to work and leave the results to God. Now, let me just go back to Andrew and Anne, all right? because I did mention Andrew's mum. I just want to say this. I wrote this down. Andrew and Anne have been incredibly faithful servants of God since this church started. I, I, want, I want to say, hand on heart, that if you think this represents anything that Andrew and Anne have produced in the presence of God, you have no idea. I have never come to this church without meeting at least two people I don't know. I've watched people come to this church, arrive from another country, find hospitality, find kindness, find prayer, find help for their fears because if they went to, back to their own country, they'd be killed. I've seen amazing care and love and welcome and Christ-centered teaching put into their lives and countless people since the time I met Andrew and Anne that have come through this place. But, but the problem is it's a city and people can't afford to live in the city. So after a year of their living in their rented place, they move out of the city. But I believe God has probably sent those people on with something of a deposit of what God has put into them in this place. And where they have been faithful, God has borne fruit. I, I, just, I want to say that out of my heart today. If you think in the slightest that this bears any resemblance to what has been built in New Life Church, you have no idea. If you've been around long enough, you will know countless people who've come along and heard about the love of God, who've stood over here and received some prayer, and, and God's broke into their lives. And my wife and I have had the privilege of coming here and we meet some couple, we didn't know where they were before, but they're being told, you know, we're not sure if you can stay in the country and if you go back, there's a threat on your life. And they say, we're scared and we pray for them. When we come back, we hear they've been given right to stay and we give glory to God with them. Where are they now? They've had to move on because they can't afford to live in the city. But is this a viable work of the kingdom of God? I'll tell you how I know. It's got faithful servants leading it. Sorry, I'm not just blowing your trumpet, because I feel strongly about this. Faithfulness commends God. Being faithful servants gives glory to God. Are we being faithful in what we're doing? Are we, I mean, we're not, certainly not playing the numbers game here this morning, are we? You know, we're not about to build a balcony. But is God at work in our hearts and our lives? Are we taking what the master has entrusted to us and using it to bless one another and anybody who steps in the door? This is one of the best welcoming churches I ever go to. I am not lying, I'll tell you that. 
I walk in this morning, guy came in, it was you, came from New Delhi. Yeah, he come in, everybody's, hello, hey, how are you doing? We want to know who he is. You'll be, let me tell you, you'll be invited for food, all right, let me tell you. And they'll want to get to know you. They'll want to know everything about you. And you may stay here for a year and go and move out of the city because it's too, but I'll tell you what, God will bless you while you're here. Do you know why? Because the good servants are here. There are good servants in this church. And if you can stay in the city and bless, be a blessing in this church, please stay in this city for the glory of God. And if you can stand alongside those who are leading the church and use your talents for the glory of God, glorify God right where you are. And let's see if God won't expand and build and build something here. Amen? Are you with me on that? Or I feel a bit strong there. I apologize if I have made you go red or anything. But it's true. Some of the most successful people I know in the kingdom are not glamorous to the world. I don't mean that really. They're not. It's not. Andrew's not, you know, he's not up here in his white suit and, you know, big spotlights on him. He's faithfully teaching week by week. I was looking on his website the other day. You know, 39 sermons on this. Like, what? It's just great. It's like somebody being faithful with their gift. You know why he's able to do that? Because he comes from good stock. His mum did exactly the same. And she's just been promoted to glory. Okay? So I'm going to say, actually, before I move on, Anne and Andrew, well done. Goodness, faithful servants. You, you, you bless me with your faithfulness. You do. You bless me. You bless me to see, to, to come here and see you feeding people. To, you know, we're all here having a chit-chat for the service. Anne's gone whizzing up the road to get some food. Why has she done that? Why has she done that? I'll tell you why she's done that. Because she loves the people that are here this morning. It's faithfulness. Their lives are not impressive servants. They're not growing weary in doing good, as the Bible says. Knowing that in due time you'll reap a harvest. And though their faithfulness is often unseen, it's of great glory to God. Sorry, I'm on a bit of a tangent. <laughs> Listen, one day the master will return and he'll look over his investment in your life. And, and I long that you, like I've spoken about Andrew and Anderson, will say, yeah, we know we've been good and faithful in what the master has entrusted to us. We know it. And, we, and we're not even looking for glory from it. Let Jesus be glorified, because it's his work that has made us like we are. So let me say this. Don't waste your life thinking it's your life. All right? You are his. Now that thing. Don't waste your life not knowing your purpose. It's clear. It's, it's living for the master's glory. It's taking that which has been entrusted to you and using it for your glory. Don't waste your life having a wrong view of the master. Our master is amazing. He loves us when we're unlovely. He loves us despite of ourselves. We have a great master. Don't waste your life having a wrong view of success. Be faith-filled and faithful. And use whatever God has given to you. 
Are you taking hold of all the master has given to you? And are you being faithful? Let's live in such a way that when the master returns and he calls us to account, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together, shall we? I'd like you to identify it with my prayer this morning. And my prayer is going to be about this. I want my life to count for Jesus. And I want to bring glory to God through the life and the talent that I have. And if you're going to pray that with me, that sort of prayer, can I ask you to put your hand up and identify it? Yes, I'm going to pray that with you. I'm going to say, I want my life to count for Jesus. And I want my life to be a blessing, not just to the master, but to those around me. Father, I want to pray in Jesus' name. In this church, look down as we identify and say, yes, that's the sort of lives we want to live. So, Father, we ask you, through your word that we've looked at this morning, help us to line our thinking up now to realize everything we have is yours, even ourselves. It's all yours. You made us. You created us. You brought us to yourself, and we are yours. And everything that we have, whether it's small or great, is yours. And we want to say today, let your kingdom come through our lives. Let your kingdom come through our homes. Let your kingdom come through our contributions. Let your kingdom come through our money. Let your kingdom come through our friendships. Let your kingdom come. Let let the world look on and say, that they see that we are the disciples of Jesus by the way we love one another. We've been entrusted with much. We've been entrusted. And so we want to live for the glory of God. Let New Life Church be known, not just for Andrew and Anne being faithful. Father, we pray, help us to be faithful with all that we've got. Help us not to hear voices that diminish your work here or your work in us in any way. Rather, let us give praise to you and use all that we have to see the glory of God released more and more upon this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it. Use it for the glory of God. Amen.